Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. The Supreme Court is in recess, but that doesn't mean things aren't getting done. In fact, last Friday, the justices cleared President Trump to build 100 miles of border wall. It also gives us a chance to look at the dynamics of the court with a new br- justice. Joining me to do that is Kimberly Strawbridge-Robin. Bloomberg Law Supreme Court reporter. So, Kim, Chief Justice John Roberts dealt President Trump a huge loss at the end of the term, blocking him from putting a citizenship question on the 2020 census, but a huge win last week, allowing him to start building the border wall with diverted Pentagon funds. What's the dynamic between the president and the chief? Well, as you just laid out, June, it's pretty complicated. So there have been some suggestions beyond just these rulings that there's a strained relationship between the president and the chief justice. And we saw that most remarkably uh, late last year when the chief justice issued a very rare statement that seemed to rebuke the president's characterization of a judge who had recently ruled against his administration as an Obama judge. Uh, The chief justice said there are no Obama judges or Bush judges, just people trying to do the right thing. Um, So there is some indications that, uh, you know, that relationship is strained. But as you mentioned, um, you know, the chief justice has dealt the administration some pretty big wins, most notably um, in the travel ban and recently on the border wall. Um, So it's a relationship that we'll have to keep our eye on. I think a lot of the tension, you know, really stems from the chief justice's um, reputation as an institutionalist, you know, somebody who's deeply concerned with the perception of federal courts and a real desire to leave them out of most of the political hotbeds that we see happening all around us. Well, we'll have a lot to keep our eye on next term because there are going to be a lot of cases with political overtones. Tell us about that. Well, that's right. I think most notably um, is the DACA cases uh, that the court agreed to hear. This is about the Obama-era program uh, that did deferred deportation for a number of immigrants who came to the country illegally whenever they were young. Um, The court will hear arguments on that next term. They're also going to hear a handful of cases uh, regarding whether or not federal protections um, against discrimination about over sex apply to LGBT workers. We could even get a case on the Second Amendment, which the court has stayed pretty far away from. Um, And of course, you know, we've got issues uh, percolating over the border wall, as you mentioned earlier, and abortion. So it's going to be hard for the court, uh, as the chief justice might want, to really stay uh, above politics with so many explosive issues. Since Justice Anthony Kennedy retired, there's been a lot of discussion about whether the chief would become the swing vote, the court's new center. Tell us what you found in looking at the cases last term. Well, we we looked pretty closely at five to four cases as well as six to three cases to get an indication of when the court is deeply split on issues, um, which justices tend to be in the majority the most. And we saw the chief justice was up there uh, pretty high, suggesting that, you know, predictions for him being the new center were correct. I think the best example of that came at the end of last term uh, when, you know, the chief justice was the deciding vote um, with his conservative colleagues to 
to uh, keep courts out of policing partisan gerrymandering, uh, but sided with his more liberal colleagues in the census case, uh, refusing to allow the administration to put a citizenship question on the 2020 census. So um, we'll have to see where the chief goes from here, but indications so far do suggest he's the middle. Well, Justice Elena Kagan has been in the majority of six to three decisions almost as often as Roberts during their years on the court. How close is she to the center? Well, this was a number, this 6-3 number was one that we looked at because, you know, if we're trying to get an idea of when justices might um, cross ideological lines. With five conservatives on the court, you have to look uh, to 6-3 cases to get information about uh, the more liberal justices. And we found that she was um, in the middle more often in those kinds of cases. She was more likely than her other Democratic-appointed colleagues to side with her Republican-appointed ones. And there's a real sense that she's kind of working behind the scenes um, in some of these cases to really narrow uh, some losses for progressives that otherwise could be really big losses um, to make them a little bit smaller. Now, a justice not close to the center is the leader of the court's liberal wing, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she talked about at an event for prospective law students held by Duke University. She talked about the working relationship among the justices and contrasted that with the rather partisan, or I should say very partisan, confirmation process. Well, that's right. I mean, the Supreme Court is a really unique institution in Washington um, in one way because it is so collegial. The justices, um, regardless of who appointed them, really get along very well. And so uh, we saw Justice Ginsburg at that event call her the Trump appointees, uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch and Justice Brett Brett Kavanaugh, decent and intelligent men. Um, But she did lament the what she called the dysfunctional confirmation process. And, you know, she said that the process itself, not the candidates, but the process makes the court look too political. And she said the worst thing um, for the court would be for people to think that any issue is up for grabs when a new Supreme Court justice gets on the court. That's something that uh, the chief always emphasizes. Now, um, she mentioned Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch as well. It's a little early to tell much about Justice Kavanaugh, but how close to the center was he in this first term? Well, he was... Uh, pretty surprising. He was actually the justice most often in the majority over the whole term and was frequently in the majority in those really closely watched cases. Now, I mean, it's really early to tell if this is something um, that will continue, uh, but we have seen him write a lot of separate opinions um, to go out of his way to explain why, why he voted uh, a certain way and possibly to narrow the court's ruling. Um, and he even crossed over uh, to vote with his more liberal colleagues in a five to four case on antitrust. Um, But he was with his more conservative colleagues in the census case and partisan gerrymandering. And so we'll have to see if he can stay in the middle on these really explosive issues that we talked about um, earlier today. Thanks so much, Kimberly. This Bloomberg Law analysis is really fascinating. And thanks for explaining it to us. That's Bloomberg Law Supreme Court reporter Kimberly Strawbridge Robinson. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.